University System Board of Regents voted today to extend the contract of Aggie football coach Jimbo Fisher for an additional four years. And we welcome into the program from Gigum 247 Sports, Jeff Tarpley. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Man, we're great. And it sounds like uh, it sounds like Jimbo Fisher's great, too, as he, uh, as he gets another four years added to the deal and a couple of more bucks. Well, I think what A&M realized is – when when the moves were made by the SEC to bring in Texas and Oklahoma, people were concerned about, for example, and, and we've talked about this, A&M's identity being the only in-state uh, school in the SEC. That advantage, uh, whether you think it's a huge one or not, was kind of going away. A&M then sat there and said, well, what do we have? What's our, our biggest asset? If, if we don't have that, well, your biggest asset is always your head coach, if he's a winner, and that's Jimbo Fisher. And so in response to everything that happened, A&M decided that you know, they're motivated, they're wanting to get things done, there's, there's all kinds of facilities upgrades coming within the football program, but the number one thing A&M decided that they needed to do was lock up Fisher for a little bit longer, give him some more money in recognition not just of the job that he's done, but of the job that he's going to do. Because this is a team that, while he's remade it in his image, and it, the culture is vastly different than it was a few years ago, the best may well be yet to come, not just because A&M has most of his 2020 team back, the rank six going into the uh, opener this Saturday night, but also this is – with the recruiting that they've been able to do, this is a program that should remain at the upper echelon of the SEC West for years to come. Speaking of that recruiting, how have the Aggies, or have they said anything about the new deal with the Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma now being in the SEC or coming to the future of being in the SEC? You know, one of the things that the Aggies had in their pocket was, hey, come over here. And we're the only team in the area playing in the SEC. Well, that's no longer the case. Do you think that that affects them in recruiting in the future? I think it affects them from the standpoint that their pitch, one of their pitches was, hey, you know, we're the only Texas school in the league, and this is a league that ranks out national champions and first-round draft picks, so come play with us. Well, now it's a different story. A&M recruits nationally. But they can't, you know, they can't tell Texas kids, hey, look, we're the, you know, we're the only game in town, so to speak. However, when you've got a Jimbo Fisher, who is one of the top recruiting head coaches in the country, he's put together a great staff. He's got a support staff in terms of analysts who can evaluate talent and orient that coaching staff to make the right decisions regarding prospects, grab the right guys. You take all of that into account. Kids want to play for Jimbo Fisher. He's a very charismatic guy. They really relate to him. He's got he, he's originally from West Virginia. He spent a lot of time in the Southeast. He relates to parents. He relates to kids. He relates to high school coaches. He relates to everybody he comes in contact with. He's extremely likable. Not only that, he's a really, really sharp guy. All of that rubs off on these guys, and not only do they want to play for him before they get to campus, they want to play hard for him once they arrive in College Station, and that's the key to every. And so Fisher is the key to everything that A&M does. 
talking with uh, Jeff Tarpley from Gigum247sports.com. Uh, Jeff, obviously, we, we know the ultimate goal is to win the football game, and, and you know, unless something bizarre happens, that's going to happen. But has Jimbo addressed the media and, and talked about some of the things that he wants to get accomplished in this first game, particularly with the new quarterback? I think he just wants to see where his team is at. He's seen them hit each other for a few weeks now. Uh, he watched them work out all summer. He watched them go through spring ball. But now it's kind of time to maybe not get a, see what the finished product is, but at least figure out what his team can and can't do uh, going into the, uh, their second game of the year, at Col- not at Colorado, but at Denver, uh, a neutral side game, so to speak even though it's not that far from the campus in Boulder. And also to get some of those opening game jitters out of the way. Uh, everybody t- tends to, you know, we, we all make light of the great debuts. Uh, but everybody remembers that Johnny Manziel, when he made the, his debut for Texas A&M, he had a very, very quiet game, scored the Aggies opening touchdown, but he had a very, very quiet game that day. He wasn't the player that he was even a few weeks later when he'd gotten some seasoning. Uh, and so I think from Jimbo Fisher's standpoint, he wants to see where his young quarterback Haynes King is, where that offensive line is. He knows the, where the rest of the team's going to be and get those guys grounded so they'll you know, they go through a baptism of fire swords so that when they do go to Colorado, when they take on Arkansas and Mississippi State and finally Alabama on October 9th, that they're no longer rookies, so to speak, or they're no longer playing new positions that they're comfortable and ready to do whatever Fisher needs them to. On Saturday, the Aggies named their 12th man, and it's Connor Choate, a special teams player for the Aggies. How special is it for that young man? You really have a hard time understanding what the 12th man means to A&M. It's a very unique tradition. It's been copied in places like Seattle. In fact, they've had... Uh, copyright battles between the Seahawks and, and, and A&M about the use of the name. Uh, you know, it, it's it's basically a 100-year-old tradition. Uh, you talk about traditions in, in college football, there's very few of them that are older than that of the 12th man. Uh, the willingness of someone to come out of the stands and play in a game, it never got into the game, but just suit up and be willing to come in, just, you know, in those days, it it was an example of what everything what A&M was about. Uh, it, it was not a big school. It was a, a military school. It was a very close-knit place. And even though A&M is far larger than it used to be, that ethos and that culture has been carried forward, too. You saw it in the 12-man kickoff teams of the 80s and 90s, which were all walk-ons. Uh, and now you see it in a guy like Choate, who is, you know, he does a great job of deep snapping. You know, you never hear – and here's the thing, too. You never hear his name. As Jimbo Fisher said on Monday, he's like, this is a guy that's a total unknown. He doesn't run down on kickoffs like Colin Gillespie, who was the uh, who was the 12th man in, in Fisher's first season, you know, making tackles and, and doing things that kind of get everybody's attention flying around to the football. He doesn't do any of that. He just goes out, he does his job down after down after down. And so I think it's a tribute to him that he's recognized for that, that all he can ever do is play error-free football and never get his name mentioned. And he lives up to that every day and every game. And I think for him, for that young man and his family, 
that's truly something special, even maybe in comparison to the other guys that have come along and have had the honor, just like him, of being named the 12th man. We're talking with Jeff Tarpley from Gigam 247 Sports. Jeff, I, we're all over the place, but uh, that's, you know, who cares? Uh, give us a little scouting report on, on Kent State and, and what do you expect to see from them uh, when they take on the Aggies? They had a tremendous season last year on offense. I, they averaged 50.600 yards a game. Now, m- m- mitigating that, they only played four games, and all of them were MAC, you know, Mid American Conference games. They, they've got a very good quarterback in Dustin Crum who, you know, on the surface, he doesn't have a fantastic arm. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he makes very, very good decisions. He can make all the throws, and he can operate an offense that is based on some of, you know, a lot of the modern concepts that you see, the spacing of the outside receivers, outside the numbers. You create a lot of room. You create a lot of one-on-one matchups downfield. You create a lot of room between the hashes for your receivers to maneuver. You give them a chance to make something happen after the catch. So he does a great job of operating all the RPOs out of it. They've got an experienced offensive line. It will be very, very interesting to see how they handle 100,000 people on Saturday night at Kyle Field because they didn't play any they didn't play any games on the road last year in which they faced that kind of intensity and those numbers of people and so they're going to have to kind of make an adjustment even though I think they've got all five upperclassmen in in the starting offensive line they've got a couple of all Mac types up front uh, their defense on the other hand was was very very bad last year. Uh, especially against the run. They gave up an average of six yards a carry. And again, that comes in that play. So what they're going to, you know, they've, they've added a lot of transfers and they've got to get those guys going very, very quickly because even with the transfers, they're not that big. Uh, They've got a big nose tackle, but the rest of the pieces, you know, they're they're just not that big at linebacker, not that big at defensive end. Uh, They're trying to get all these new people to work together not only that, they play a three-man front, and they, they'll stack linebackers kind of a 3-3, and what they'll do is they'll angle, they'll shoot people, and what they're trying to do is, is put you behind the sticks and then give them the advantage. So it can be a little frustrating even if you're the better team. You don't, if, you, if you miss it, you're physically superior, you miss a block, though, you're facing second and 13. So what A&M has to do, and especially with an inexperienced offensive line that's had a lot of different combinations in fall camp, is to be able to make sure their line calls, they all connect on their line calls, they all got a helmet on helmet, and that when they do make contact, they drive through, uh, they're physical, and, the, and they wear on people in, in, in the run game and in the pass pro. They've just got to pick everybody up and give Haynes King time to set his feet, read, deliver the football. And if they can do all that, I think uh, whatever the, regardless of the final score, blowout, you know, whatever, I think Jimbo Fisher will be pretty pleased going into game two. Do you feel like that the defense may have to ratchet it up just a little bit, kind of help this offense out while they try to to figure things out and and learn each other and and get on its own solid ground? Oh, no question. This is a very experienced defense. One of the things I, I wrote this morning uh, when I actually did a preview of the uh, Kent State's offense and, and A&M's defense, is the fact that they're so experienced, it goes beyond talent. They've played together for so long, they've, so they, they understand each other. They understand the scheme. 
So let's say you run, you're running an RPO, you've got a backside slant. Well, A&M reads the alignment. They read where the route's going, you know, where the receiver, what the route's going to be, where the receiver is. They take that away. They take away the second route on the front side of the play. And then by the time the quarterback's handing the ball off, they slanted to the play, you know, to the play side. They've taken away your options in the passing game. So you're trying to run the ball, but you're running the ball into a, a front that's slanted into where the run is, you know, where the run is going to go. And not only that, uh, it, at least from A&M standpoint, they're going to be quicker and, and bigger than a lot of people they're facing this year, uh, thanks to Fisher's recruiting. So in that vein, this is going to be a defense much like last year. It's going to, you know, they're going to do a very, very good job against the run. They really cut down the big plays last year in the passing game because they know where to be. They know the re- where the receivers are going. They make you hold the ball. They zone blitz. Uh, they make you hold the ball, and if you have to get rid of it, you might hit a hot route short of the stick. You, you might hit a hot route, but you're going to do it short of the sticks. You're going to get five on 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 third and eight. You're going to be Adam's going to be getting off the field. And you're going to be punting the football, and that's the objective. So with all of those things. A&M just kind of wears on you. You know, they, they hadn't, didn't force a lot of turnovers last year, but they made it very, very difficult for people to sustain drives. They turned the ball back over to the offense quickly. They got themselves off the field. And this is the same types of things that they're going to have to do this season. And with everybody they've got coming back, not just from a talent standpoint, but also from the standpoint that they've seen it all, they know how to respond, that they're going to be able to do whatever it takes until the offense gets going so that they can carry the team if need be and set the offense up uh, with field position and just keeping the score low so that A&M's offense can do what it needs to do, maybe not have the burden that it had last year in order for A&M to go out and win football games. Hey, Jeff, uh, great stuff as always. What are you working on for Gigham? Well, like I said, today uh, we had the, the Jimbo Fisher extension. Uh, did a preview this morning of Kent State's offense versus A&M's defense. Tomorrow we'll have one up uh, on A&M's offense and Kent State's defense. And, you know, a lot of, you know, there's more unknowns with with those two units tomorrow. The write-up's going to be interesting because there's more unknowns. And we'll just continue to plug away at at what to look for from the uh, A&M Kent State game. Recruiting uh, 2023 offers, class of 2023 uh, kids can start rece- officially receiving offers. We're going to have updates on those throughout the next few days a- as they come about. And, again, hey, stay with us Saturday night. I'll be online for the game providing all kinds of insights and analysis, and we'll have all kinds of post-game write-ups breaking down how everything went in the game and what it means for A&M going forward. Jeff, as always, it's a pleasure. Jeff Tarpley from Gigum247sports.com. We-